Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Katie Chanakis about finding mental health and human connection with ethics, morals, and values. Katie Chinakis, welcome back to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so grateful to be here. Yeah, we had the opportunity to have a really great conversation yesterday. Uh, very rarely do I ever have someone back so quickly, but uh, it's a great honor to have you back. We only really scratched the surface of our conversation, and it just so happened that I had a slot in my schedule open up for today. So uh, it's a real pleasure to continue the conversation. We're going to build off of what we talked about yesterday in the episode. And today we're going to focus on finding mental health and human connection coupled with the ethics, morals, and values that needs to inform those connections. Uh, As we get started, I wanted to share Katie's bio again with everybody. Katie Chanakis is a strong female leader who has worked in the Hollywood entertainment industry for over two decades. She has worked with 19 legendary A-list stars in one year, uh, a big long list that I could share. Uh, You would recognize every single name. Um, She grew up running cross country, so she has the mind growth mentality of short-term, medium-term, and long-term goals, which is what we discussed yesterday. She is now a woman's empowerment coach in the entertainment industry. She's focused on time management, and she coaches clients on the 11X method for personal and professional psychological health, maintaining our morals, ethics, and values. Welcome back, Katie. It's a pleasure to have you back on the show. Anything else you would like to share with listeners today before we really dive on into the discussion? Well, I'm just, I'm so grateful for the introduction. Thank you. It's very, very sweet of you. Thank you. Oh, it's an honor always to talk with such interesting people. And uh, as we discussed yesterday, um, the entertainment industry is not one that I've tapped all that much in terms of uh, talking to entertainment industry professionals. So I think it's a real interesting thing to be able to explore. And of course, the principles we're talking about apply equally to uh, other walks of life and other types of organizations as well. It sure does. It sure does. Um, Now, kind of dissecting the, the, if I broke it into two, as an actor in entertainment, um, there's the Actors Union, there's the Screen Actors Guild, which is SAG-AFTRA. And then there's the Producers Guild, the Directors Guild, the Writers Guild. And then with writers, um, you know, I'm with ASCAP and there's um, BMI. And so, but there's no union for musicians. So they say, like, it's already a tough business being in the industry, quote unquote. But like, they say, like, when I first got involved in music, like it's a dirty business because there's no union to protect an individual. And I was definitely as an independent uh, young person in the world, 
like thrown to the wolves by executives and, and people at record labels. Like, I'm not kidding. Where they give you smoke and mirrors, fluff and buff. And, you know, I have, and this is after I went on tour with 50 Cent and G Unit. All right. And, and I was like still being like schooled and like I was, had a cloth over my eyes and I was just, I'm a smart cookie, but naive in, in certain ways too. Cause you have your hopes and your dreams. And it's really important that I share my stories of, because I know what it's like to, you know, Mark Twain to really dream big and then to have these like full, um, like this full of um, color rainbow mentality, you know, cause I just love color so much and like angels and such an optimist and spirituality with hope and pleasure, but to not, to get blindsided with your ethics and morals and values and let the people who prey on people in the world take advantage and offer you something um, for like give you sell you a dream that you like you bite on and then it's it's not ethical and it's not honest with your word at all so Caroline Mice is a mystic intuitive she's amazing she did a TED talk on choices I actually was so inspired I wrote an article on Ariana Huffington's platform called Thrive Global Ariana Huffington and I we met a little context um, on Valentine's Day during New York Fashion Week and she personally asked me to write for her on the Huffington Post and I did gratefully and then she um you know, created uh, Thrive Global and then asked me to write for her on Thrive. And the very first article I wrote was um, on choices with Caroline Mice, because I was so moved by, you know, the quality of our choices. And there's the macro choices and then the micro choices. And people think like the macro choices are like the major choices in our life, but actually it's the micro choices that we make that make, you know, the big choices actually. So um, I thought that was really interesting, but, you know, being like I said, in the entertainment industry and dealing with music specifically um, and being, you know, thrown into some circumstances after I already had grand success of like touring in Europe with 50 Cent and G-Unit in front of 18,000 people and, you know, in Europe and in South Africa, um, you would think after that, like I wouldn't, it's like kind of like, oh, like I've done this. So like, no one's gonna, like, I have this like merit or I've crossed the finish line or I've gotten to this point of that point that you want to get well where in my egoic mind or the illusion of quote-unquote success of making it as a artist and then that happening and then of course so many other stories that I seen and and heard along the way you know but like you know um Kesha her story yeah and, and what she went through and I was you know introduced to those people and not to get into too much of her story, but like, I remember the person, I'll, uh, I'll spare his name, who took me over and it was a vibe and my vibe knew it was a sense and it was a knowing and I didn't proceed in that direction of the development of that relationship. I could have, if I wanted to manipulate in a way, but I would only at this point with my consciousness and my intelligence of knowing what I knew from experience, I would only really be manipulating myself and going against my own ethics, morals, and values to partner up in this relationship. If I was maybe younger and I didn't know what I knew or went through some of the stuff, I probably would have. Um, and that could have taken my journey on a different way. Um, but sometimes when you have certain experiences before and after, you just know to take certain leaps and bounds. And then it's kind of measured within checking in with your own morale, right? Yeah. 
I think that's right. And, you know, we often hear about the, the concept of trust, but verify. And it's unfortunate. I, I do think that most people in this world are good mm-hmm. and they, they try to do right by others. Yeah. But there are, there are people that exploit uh, people that are, you know, evil uh, with, with bad intentions and not just mistakes that we all make, but like literal bad intentions that they, they're looking for ways to get ahead and they do it through harming other people. Um, and so we need to watch out for those individuals, trust, but verify. Um, but I also, I feel like this world is too, this life is too short for us to constantly be so cynical and pessimistic that we're assuming everyone around us is try, constantly trying to get after us. And so on the one hand, perhaps it was a little naive. I, I'm not involved in the industry, so I, I can't really speak to that. Um, but I do admire the optimism, the hope, um, the, the desire to give people the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I'm the same way and I'm, it, it's come back to bite me from time to time, but I would la- <laughs> rather live my life that way than um, yeah. in a, kind of a constant cynical pessimistic kind of a state of mind. I agree. I prefer always being the ripple effect and the yes and putting like into the ethers, the good vibrations, because what we put out is, you know, it's, it's a full cycle, right? It's a full circle. So if we're like, no, we're attracting, no, no, no. We're just saying, staying in our own cocoon and playing so small. But when we're the yes people and, you know, making these choices of yes to put the good vibes out, then I feel like it definitely goes full circle. Um, And, you know, and a thing that you mentioned was, that generally most people are good people. I agree. And I think we're all very good people. I think we're all very, very good people. I think what's happened along the way, we have all been forced into these circumstances and societal norms that maybe were norms in the past, but we've all been pressured to go against our own ethics, morals, and values. And because we've silently have done things in the workplace and in our personal lives. And we've gone against what we intuitively know, like I said earlier, like a vibe when you show up to a place and it's like a yes or no, we've, we've just kind of gone along with the herd because we get confused, especially when we were kids. Like we don't know, we're like, Oh, everyone's doing it. We're just supposed to do it, but it doesn't feel right to me, you know? So I feel like the people who have had a lot of going against what they wanted are the ones who turn into anger and turn into the ones who prey on other people. And then they don't have those, they're desensitized to understanding that they're bullying and pressuring someone else, but they've been bullied and pressured. So they've been bullied and pressured. So they're doing it to other people and they're not having qualms about it because no one had qualms about it when people did them. And so it's a cycle of unfortunate circumstances that's been going on since, you know, when we started over in Africa. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, (laughs) I I think, I think the, the, the socialization, the, the social systems that are in place do perpetuate a certain level of dysfunction, um, and, and can lead to those types of actions and behaviors. And, and to your point, certainly, you know, most people who are abusive were once abused and most people uh, who exploit and hurt other people when it's intentional, it's because they were hurt the same way. I, I'm thinking of one particular incident I had with an individual and it, it prolonged over several years. Um, this person had all the power in the relationship. I, I kind of didn't have much choice but to, um, 
you know, just try to get along as best I could until I was out of the situation. And the reality was, though, I mean, he he was a hard man. um, And he had no qualms about uh, making things very difficult for the people around him. Uh, But to your point, that's, I even had a frank conversation with him once. And and he said, Yeah, why? This is what I had to do. Why would it be any different for you? Right. Um, And he saw it as his role, like one of his important roles was to, to sift out, you know, the, the weak people who couldn't hack it, (laughs) Um, you know, and, and that was how he framed it in his mind and how he justified it. And so, you know, I, I think not that that um, gives him a pass or gives other people a pass who do harmful things to people. um, But it does help to have a level of understanding, which perhaps can give us a little bit of compassion uh, and empathy, or at least understanding. Uh, and then we can better understand how we can sidestep those types of approaches. Uh, the, the other thing you said that I think is just really important to key in on is in all of these relationships that we have with others, whether it's at home, in our community, in the workplace, um, those, those connections are built upon multiple interactions where hopefully we're able to uh, establish trust over time with individuals. And sometimes we reinforce that trust. Other times we erode that trust. And we often then find ourselves in situations where there are more or less ethical dilemmas that we find ourselves in, where we have conflicting, competing values at play at the same time. And we we have to prioritize and choose. Uh, You know, there are often some of the most messy decisions that we have to make in the workplace, for example, someone is not going to like the decision. Um, Mm -hmm. It'll Mm -hmm. benefit some people, it'll hurt other people. Mm -hmm. And even if our intention is, even if we have the best of intentions, and even if we we, um, try to do the best good for the most people, there there will still be people who are harmed. Mm -hmm. And and we have to make sacrifices, we have to prioritize, and things don't always work out perfectly for everybody. And that's Mm -hmm. just the reality. And so when we find ourselves in those types of ethical dilemmas, um, we have to really lean heavily on our own moral Mm -hmm. code, our Mm -hmm. own ethical framework. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I don't expect every leader that I encounter to see, see, see things the same way that I do. Uh, intelligent people will disagree on the best path, fo- path forward on a whole variety of issues, right? Mm-hmm. Well-meaning, well-intentioned, smart people will disagree. Uh, so I'm not so worried about the disagreement. What I'm worried about is what are those core values and the ethical, moral framework that people are using to go about making those decisions? And do they have some sort of a systematic approach uh, where they can fairly and equitably go about making those decisions over time. So even if I'm not particularly pleased with how one decision was made, I can at least trust in the fact that this person, this leader, or this team of people, they went through a thorough process. They tried to understand the, the who was going to be impacted by the decision and how it would impact them. And they had to make some hard decisions. I'm, I'm more okay with that, even if it personally hurts me, um, mm-hmm. because I know they're going through a process. What mm-hmm. I can't... Um, tolerate uh, is when you see arbitrary and capricious types of decisions being made in organizations where it seems like there's no consistency. It seems like there's no reference back to core uh, fundamental values uh, or an ethical framework. And, and it's, it's really just a decision of convenience rather than a decision of what's best. Uh, And Mm -hmm. that's what I think we need to, to uh, fight back against uh, and those are the types of things that then erode trust in organizations. 
Uh, I can have a leader that I look to as an example. I, I think they're a person of integrity. Uh, I, I really uh, appreciate all the hard work they do. But then they make one or two of these types of flippant decisions that harms people. And very quickly, that trust is eroded. Mm-hmm. And they have to earn it back. It's mm-hmm. not something that automatically I'm just going to give them again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so th- those are the types of dynamics that we're dealing with uh, in yeah. the workplace and at home, wherever. Any relationship that we're talking about, if it's a meaningful relationship, it has to be built on trust, which mm-hmm. means it has to be built on um, repeated positive interactions where you see uh, or at least perceive the other person as making a, bet, a good faith effort, a best attempt at making a good decision uh, that will impact the people around them. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Yeah, perfectly said. And then also, just like you said, it's like, um, if there's if this person is our oak tree, our core value of our kinship of trust, and then you notice they're not making the best choices for the organization or for themselves, then how can you trust them if they're not if you're looking to them as your anchor or oak tree and you're supposed to be looking up to them? I've had mentors and people I've admired and people in the workplace I've admired and um, you know, one went to Harvard, one went to the Olympics. Like that was my dream, like going to Harvard Olympics. And, and then she had her own eight modeling agency. And I was the number one model. And like, I looked up to her and I was a youngster and it was like, it was like the, um, evolve. It's like an arc of a TV show. It's like this, and we go through cycles of life. We evolve, we devolve, we evolve, we devolve. We're devolving or we're, we're either going up or we're either going down. So like this person in particular, um, I'm, I'm like a youngster and I'm like looking up to her cause a home in Beverly Hills, you have your own modeling agency. You went to Harvard, you went to the Olympics. Like, like you have the same name as my mom. Like, this is like, this is like so aligned, 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 aligned. And I'm like looking up to her and I'm admiring her. And I'm also not knowing at, as a youngster, but I'm observing her. And then like, I traveled the world. I went to New York, I came back. And then this person's 
like on all this medication, they're bipolar. The person they chose to be involved with is a drunk. This person got her to be a drunk. They ended up getting married. She was in and out of like rehab so many times. She, I, she just turned into a monster and I came back and she wasn't that person. And I was still like doing everything in my power to like get her on programs and like Esther Hicks, Abraham Hicks, uh, um, you know, just turning her on to all these things for mental health and for healing and to like, you know, improve herself. But if, if someone doesn't want to do it, like we can't save anyone, we need to want to do it for ourselves. Just like if we see something going on with someone, we need to know how to dismantle and just pivot and shift and just go into a different direction because where attention goes, energy flows, and we need to do that what's best for ourselves. And also circling back around to like everything we're talking about, then was then, but now in the society we live in with podcasting and all the doctors and scientists and educated people like yourself, you know, we have the podcast so we can share and communicate information and show studies and research so much faster where it's like, I just listened to um, this blow your mind podcast and it was five episodes and it was on psychedelics and like science and how they're bringing back, you know, um, psilocybin, which we naturally produce in our mind. And they're bringing it back to legalize it for psychotherapy. Like you go to people who go to a psychiatrist like every month or they check in every few months to like get a refill on the prescription to make sure it's good. It's kind of like people who would be doing psychotherapy with psilocybin. They would go like once a month or every couple months to go in and have a session with psychedelics to get them to a cognitive place. Um, and then, but they show the trajectory of when it was legal and then why it was banned and who made it popular. And, and, and it was like, um, um, I, I forget the gentleman's name, but um, he was like the CEO of um, Morgan Stanley um, or JP Morgan one or the other. And and he was on the cover of like Life Magazine in the 1950s and he popularized um, psilocybin and they call it like magic mushrooms, but he's not the one that like brought it to America. People have been using these healing properties for such a long time. But the point is through that five hour um, podcast, you know, there was, it was five parts. I was able to get all this information of the scientists of way back when, um, the trajectory and like where they are now and, and, and where it's headed and how they're circling back around to legalize it. And it's so cool to be in the age of where we are now to have the knowledge to, to know it, but then actually to apply it, you know, and, and also be creators, you know, and have the opportunity to create while we're here and create, you know, new patterns, new ethics and morals and values and take what we want and leave what we don't want and know the history, know what's been told and then um, align and vibrate to what we um, align to instead of taking on shackles and things that that are just going to weigh us down because by us not speaking our voice for us for us by us not connecting you know through podcasting through this right now through communicating back and forth for us doing this we can break and um dismantle the ethics morals and values that didn't serve us that we know about and that we heard of and that were good during the times, you know, when they were first making clothing and when they were first, you know, building things. And then we, you know, rebuild the structure and, and keep, you know, creating with evolution and dismantling what's not working because we're in different times. Yeah. So, so what you're speaking to, or at least how I'm understanding what you're saying is that, 
the the traditions, the systems that were put in place by those that came before us served obviously served a purpose uh, in that time and place, but perhaps it doesn't serve the same purpose today, uh, or it doesn't have the same efficacy for us now. Uh, and so we need to be willing to challenge uh, and push back on some of those norms and traditions that seem unhealthy. I think that's a, a large part of, you know, the, the social justice movement and the civil rights conversations happening in the U.S. right now, for example. You know, I hope, I, unfortunately, I believe there's too many people that are actually racist, but I, I do hope that most people aren't, you know, actively, proactively racist in their mind and the way they think about people. But we have systems and processes in place that have been established for generations that are, are relics of past times. And unless we dismantle those things, they will perpetuate themselves and they will continue to harm people. And so yeah. you, have, you have this primary versus secondary racism effect where maybe, you know, my intention isn't to hurt anybody or to be racist in any way. But if I'm upholding and supporting racist systems that harm other people, then then I'm part of the problem and I need to look how to fix it. And so when we think about morals, ethics, values, we think about uh, we have to think about how our framing and worldview connects with and interacts with uh you know, the, the society at large and the systems around us. Um, and so when we're making decisions, when we're connecting with people in the workplace or, or wherever, uh, we, we have to be, you know, processing all of that holistically uh, mm-hmm. to, the, to the best of our ability, understanding mm-hmm. that, of course, we're not going to get it all right. Mm-hmm. You also talked about and the very important point about mental health um, and mm-hmm. the, the tragic uh, example that you shared of, of the person you looked up to, who kind of, it sounds like went through a downward spiral, um, mm-hmm. through bad relationships, substance abuse, um, other mental health issues that perhaps weren't being um, dealt with in a proactive, you know, in a healthy way. And, and it just reiterates the importance th- that we need to, to take the time to invest in ourselves to take care of our own mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody else I mean, hopefully we have good people around us, friends, family, coworkers that can look out for us, Mm -hmm. but really we can't necessarily count on that. So we have to, we have to prioritize our own well-being Mm -hmm. uh, and, and take care of ourselves and and practice self-care and just make sure that, you know, mental health is no joke. Uh, Downward Mm -hmm. spirals happen to people a a lot. And so Mm -hmm. there's no shame or harm in, you know, talking to people going to a therapist, getting medication, um, having trusted, uh, you know, I, I like to call it my trusted board of advisors, my personal mm. board of advisors, you know, mm-hmm. people, just friends, family, yeah. people, colleagues, people I trust who I know they're not going to judge me. I can just mm-hmm. be open with them and share. And mm-hmm. when something's bothering me or I'm really struggling with something, uh, or I just need to think through something out loud mm-hmm. that there's someone who will be there for me. Um, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. we all need that. And when we yeah. have those, that type of support, we can get through the inevitable ebbs and flows of life. And we're going to have, you know, up moments, we're going to have down moments. Um, and, and the trick is to try to, to, uh, be able to weather the storm when we're, you know, in those declines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Have outlets, right. Have outlets because, you know, if the cup, if, if, if you're in a tank and the water just gets so full and there's no outlets, 
we're going to suffocate and choke and die. So we need to have the outlets. We're emotional beings. And so we're like the ocean. It's going to come and go like the ocean waves and like the clouds. It's going to come and go. We're going to be high. We're going to be low. I mean, I downward spiral. I do it. I'm a human being. We all do the spiral. We go, we spiral up and then we're spiraling down. We spiral up, we're spiraling down. I mean, that's what we do. But like you said, um, you know, having safety nets of people, outlets of people you can speak to. And like, oh, we chatted about yesterday. Like I, I sought mentors naturally. And so um, that was just a natural thing I did um, by seeking mentors. And right now in, in my life and the evolution of my life and the network of people I know, and there's different relationships I have with people, um, I've had to have the courage to break new grounds, to say things to people who have known me, you know, and who like think they know me, but like share new things with them. And so they're like, oh, maybe we should have a conversation this week. I'm like, okay, if you want to, you know, or like letting them know, because if they're always saying and treating the someone in particular I'm thinking about, my friend in London, if they're always like speaking and treating me a certain way, and it's like, there's like some frustration, or there's like a disconnect, it's like, I want to befriend you. And I I appreciate and I honor our relationship. So I want to be honest with you of who I am and what I'm going through. Because why are we really relating and connecting if there's a disconnect, and I'm frustrated, and I feel like you have this idea about me, but you really don't know me, you know, me from when you met me and from what you know, so far, but things have changed and let's have an upgraded conversation. So then there's a new reality, a new connection, a stronger bond with one another. And so I can open myself to add more value from this friendship because I care so much about this person. I want to show them my vulnerability and stuff that's going on with me instead of keeping it inside so I can let it go in a healthy space because I trust this person, you know, and I feel like they could, you know, reflect and hold space for me. As they said, you want to maybe have a chat this weekend, you know what I mean? And so that's someone I was seeking out because I clearly I do want to have a chat and have a new conversation and deepen that connection in my life and I think that's the evolution of life and what you were saying earlier about like you know someone who may treat you a certain way and then you know they don't know they're hurting you or, or, or something like that you know but that's also a part of our human experience feeling that as well not physically emotionally and having those growths right those growing pains through the ups and the downs and it's how we respond to them yeah absolutely well katie again looking at the time that it has flown by we're about out of time i really appreciate all of your insights and it's been a really fun conversation um before we close today, though, I did want to give you a chance to share with listeners again how they can get connected with you, find out more about what you're doing, uh, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Sure, sure. Um, just a loversfairytale.com. Just go there and put in your email, and we can stay connected that way. I'm on all social media platforms. And um, just a real quick short story that came to mind um, that I wanted to share. When I was in college, we had um, a, a, a chalkboard of 100 words. And out of the 100, we had to pick 20. And out of the 20, um, you know, out of out of 100, we had to pick 20. Out of the 20, we had to categorize them, the importance. And number one for me was health, because I felt figured if I had my health, I could have everything else on the list in addition to everything else on the chalkboard. However, back then it was just overall health. It was I was thinking more physical health. I wasn't attuned and aware of mental health as I am now. So mental health for me is not just May and Mental Health Awareness Month. Mental health for me is a moment to moment daily practice. So I encourage you to, you know, honor your emotional feeling, not just like, how are you? I'm okay, fine. But like, how are you emotionally doing and check in with your emotions? 
Perfect. Perfect. Thank you, Katie. It has been a real pleasure. I have really enjoyed this conversation. I encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected, find out more about what Katie can do for you. Check out her music, check out all the great work that she's doing. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.